Next on BYU Sports Nation, the defenders of all that is BYU football. What or who headlines the defense? BYU football is top five nationally in returning starters this season. Why it doesn't matter at all. And following a superb NBA Summer League run for Sacramento, former BYU big man Eric Mika joins us live. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Tuesday, July 23rd. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man who is lost in Google Translation, Jerem Jordan. So we had this the other day with uh, James Fredette in uh, Greece, right? Now we have it with Elijah Bryant in uh, Israel, which will be one of our headlines I in a moment. I believe Jimmer but... was called a killer, wasn't he? Yeah, he's a metaphorical one, not a literal uh-huh, one. Uh-huh. Uh, Maccabi Fox Tel Aviv signed Elijah Bryant for two years. This is Swingman. This is the Google Translate from... Aramaic, Israeli, I don't know what language it is. Um, two to three positions with great potential in building moves, a good rebounder for his position, a precise player, and familiar with life in Israel and Israeli basketball. By the way, uh, Elijah Bryant's dad's name is Israel. Just kind of awesome, right? Oh, how about that? Continuing, the addition of Bryant adds a fairly large bodyguard yeah, to yeah. the rear line when it comes to a player who has all the tools to fit in a large system fairly quickly. Dot, dot, dot. Um, talking about where he's from and everything. North Carolina. What? Okay. He then moved to BYU, a University of Utah. What? No, that's true. It's a University of Utah. Okay. In okay. U- in Utah? Like, day Utah? Yeah. From Utah? Yes. yes. Right? In English, it's oven. Fr- and stood out as a comedian <laughs> with high shooting percentages and impressive <laughs> coolness for his age, along with a good rebound. He is Mormon, married to Janelle, and his mother is called Israel. Well, it's actually his dad. But yeah. <laughs> You gotta love Google Translate. He stood out as a comedian. I'm trying to wrap my head yeah, around what they were trying to go for yeah. there. Listen, this is way better than being at the Tower of Babel. Google Translate, way better. Can you imagine how the game would have changed had they had that? They're like, Siri, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> what is he saying? What is he saying? <laughs> Elijah Bryant gonna get paid in Israel. How about that? Details up. I don't know what the dollar is in Israel today, but yeah. Here's today's show lineup. Eric Mika, we wonder if he's going to be playing in Europe with the likes of Jimmer Fredette, Brandon Davies, and Elijah Bryant, or if he did enough in the NBA Summer League to get himself into a two-way contract, maybe play in the G League, stay stateside. He's going to join us live with the latest. BYU faces Utah in Game 1. Did you know that, Jerem? I did. Does a newly released ranking from our guy, Phil Steele, Change the way we should look at this year's, specifically, rivalry showdown. And the 10 best coaches BYU will face on their schedule in order. Listen up. Win one for the Gipper, because here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football did not have a player named to either the Butkus or Jim Thorpe watch lists. Butkus for the best linebacker, Jim Thorpe for the best defensive back. Three BYU opponents appear on the Butkus list, six on the Jim Thorpe list. The Bronco Nagurski Award 
for Outstanding Defensive Players and Outland Trophy for Outstanding Interior Lineman Watchlist will be released today. Do we expect anybody to be on these lists? Maybe Kyrus Tonga? Outland, yes. Uh, perhaps James MP or Brady Christensen. Okay. Because it's interior lineman offense and defense. As mentioned, Elijah Bryant signs a two-year contract with Maccabi Tel Aviv in Israel. Bryant was a first-team All-League player for Hapoel Eilat last season in the same league. In fact, Bryant's team lost to Maccabi in the semifinals of the playoffs. So basically, he's pulling a Kevin Durant. He's going to upgrade with a better team in the same league. Now, we had a report from Tony Jones of The Athletics saying multiple NBA teams were interested. Perhaps that interest level didn't manifest itself in a contract equal to or better than what he will get. And apparently, he's pretty comfortable in Israel. Yeah, my spidey senses tell me the dollar signs were much better in Israel. But the NBA opportunity probably was not. That's that's the thing. And we'll talk to Eric Meek coming up about that. What's better, being in the G League and being right there but making less or going overseas and making more but being further away from that opportunity? Good question. BYU 10K national champion Clayton Young named the USTF CCCA Outdoor Track Scholar Athlete of the Year. He is the first from the men's team in program history to receive these honors. Young won the 10K for the first time at BYU since head coach Ed Eyestone won it in 1984 and 1985. Listen to this number, 39 other Cougars from the men's and women's teams received all academic honors. It's a smart bunch, Jerem. Very nice. And Daniel Schneeman went one for two with the walk and a stolen base in the single A Lake County Captain's 2-1 win, win over the Peoria Chiefs and uh, since July 11th, by the way, Schneeman batting 459. Ooh. All rise and shout. Stop for what's trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. The defenders of BYU football. But who anchors that defense in 2019? Former NFL and BYU linebacker David Nixon offered this opinion. Once again, the secondary... I, you know, you never would think you'd be able to say this, but I think the strength of this Jewish defense is the is the secondary right now. And you got a lot of veteran guys back there that've had some playing time. Wow, when was the last time BYU was led by the secondary? That was the best position group. It's been a while. Jerem, do you agree with David Nixon? Is the secondary the strongest defensive group for BYU in 2019? No, I don't. But it's close. I think that the linebackers will be better. Right now, we know there's more. We know the names of the guys returning in the secondary. Therefore, there's some confidence there. We always get a little scared, like, well, this group's going to be better even though we don't know exactly who's going to do what. I, I can understand that logic. But I think that Zane Anderson and Isaiah Kafusi are stars. I think there's one star in the secondary for BYU, and it's Stein Gonwoloku. I think Austin Lee's really good. I think Troy Warner is a good player as well. I think those corners, the, the young corners, did a nice job uh, last season. But I think that the impact on the defense will be greater from Zane Anderson and Isaiah Kafusi. And I think Chaz Ayu is going to be a good player, too. Yeah. I think it will become the linebackers. I could see how you say going into the season it's the secondary. But I think the LBs will be where it's at. I told you yesterday in a conversation offline, I feel most confident in the back seven. But I'm with you. I think that the linebackers are just a little bit better as a position group than the defensive backs. And that's not a slight on the secondary for BYU. I just think the Cougars have some outstanding linebackers. We're talking about Zane Anderson, who I think will become the best defender on this BYU team once he gets mm. those legs going again. I think he'll be the best defender on this BYU team. I know Kairos Tonga is going to go to the NFL. He, yes. To me, he's the best player on the defense. 
right now, skill set as far as development, everything, work ethic, leadership, overall MVP of the defense, I think, will become Zane Anderson. And MVP is different than best player. To Correct. Me. Yeah. Okay, so maybe I, I think, should say the MVP. Yeah. But val- what's what do you value, right? I I hate that the award for best player in a lot of like the NBA and whatever is called value MVP. In it. It's like value so subjective. No, just who's the best player? The the Final Four does it the best in basketball. They say most outstanding player. Who's who's the most outstanding player? Uh, um, as a group, I I do think the D line needs to raise their game. Yes. On offense, I I keep talking about the receivers. On defense, it is the D line because if BYU can get pressure with four. Now it's a game changer. Now you don't have to be have an elite secondary, which BYU will never have an elite secondary because it's a position that's hard to recruit to BYU. Typically, what is cornerback? It's a shorter, fast uh, black guy that's harder to recruit for BYU. Yet BYU is getting good players at the, that position. I don't think they'd be all league type guys, but in the past BYU's had some. That's just a harder position to recruit. You know what's easier? Defensive line. You get a good, stout, on with this group, typically Polynesian player. Linebackers, you've had varied uh, right races there. Um, it, the, the, it fits in certain spots for BYU, given who BYU is recruiting, the honor code, the religion, the type of guy you get. BYU has produced good defenses with all kinds of people, and I think that BYU can this year. I'm excited to see who fills in at linebacker, given that Sione Takitaki is gone, given that all the depth is gone. Yeah, I like different words because you can categorize these position groups under those, like the most reliable defensive group and the most valuable defensive group and the best. Straight up from the talent perspective and the production standpoint, I think the linebackers are the best defensive group. I think Zane Traditionally, Anderson that's been the best position is the most BYU. valuable player on the BYU defense because of everything that he can do, and I think he will be a much-needed leader. For the BYU defense. Topic two, despite returning two quality players at linebacker, as we mentioned, BYU didn't have anybody on the 51-man watch list for best linebacker. Did Zane Anderson and Isaiah Kafusi get snubbed by the Butkus Award watch list? I don't think they got snubbed. And we were discussing if it bothered us yesterday. And at first it kind of did. Because I thought, how does... Isaiah Kafusi get left off as one of the best linebackers in the country. But looking at the country and every good linebacker that comes back, I don't know that Isaiah did enough statistically to stand out Correct. compared to some of the other guys. Totally. And Zane Anderson was injured early in the season. And what oh, have yeah. we learned about these watch lists? If you're injured, they forget you. Zach Moss wasn't on the Doak Walker. Like, are you kidding me? What a, in the world? Yeah, he's it was, it was a top 20 yeah, runner. Isaiah, is a, he's a good player. Great player. But he didn't do enough statistically to stand out. And they're looking at stats. I mean, they're looking at so many different guys. And sports information directors from all these schools can submit names. But ultimately... And they have varying agendas. The committee has to look at these numbers and say, well, he had better numbers than him. So let's pick this guy over Right. Him. And how do your numbers shape out when you do it in the Sun Belt versus, you know... I don't, I don't think they got snubbed based on what happened. Injuries... To both of them, really. And when the numbers aren't, whoa, jump off the page, then it's going to be harder to get onto one of those lists. Yeah, they didn't They didn't get snubbed, no. Isaiah, Kaf- Here's my thing with Isaiah Kafusi. I think we grade him on a curve a little bit because he surprised us. He came from nowhere. Literally, we were not talking. We did not mention his name probably a single time in the preseason. Maybe once when we previewed the position. 50 tackles, six tackles for loss, uh, one sack. 
uh, two picks, one forced fumble, four pass breakups. So he had a he had a, a nice year. That was a good year. We grade him on a curve because we didn't expect anything from him. If he had those numbers again this year, I would say, ah, good, but I was hoping for more, right? So it's different. Zane was hurt. He's forgotten. It's fine. They get snubbed, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's preseason fodder. It's fun. It's something to talk about. We do a show every day. I'm glad they do it. Isn't that <laughs> interesting how it works? I mean, we spend a lot of time Talking about Butch Powell. Oh, is he finally healthy? Butch Powell was perhaps the most disappointing player last season for BYU. Just like disappeared. Kind of injured, inept, the two eyes I talk about. It's like, what happened? And then Tanner Mangum was probably the the other where it was like, oh, man. Like, I was hoping you'd be the, the be the guy again. And he wasn't. And that's part of the reason BYU only wins seven games last year is, is that Tanner Mangum was 3-3 three and three through the first six. I don't envision. As the starter. If Zane Anderson stay healthy, and again, we assume health for all these players, Isaiah Kafusi and the emergence of Chaz Ayu, among others, if those guys stay healthy, I just don't see a linebacker specifically being the most disappointing player on this BYU football team this year. Yeah, it'd be tough. It'd be, it'd be like if Zane was healthy but just disappeared. It's like, what? It's not going to no. happen. And, and uh, yeah, for some reason that happened with Butch, and that was a bummer because uh, he was one of the faces of the program. Finally, to topic three. Oh, depth, Jerem. Mm-hmm. Experience. Senior leadership. The unquantifiables. BYU has 17 starters returning <laughs> this season. 17. This can only mean good things, Jerem. But what does it really mean for the Cougars this year in terms of where it matters most, wins it, and losses? It means we know the names of the players who will start. <laughs> That's what it means. Blind resume. A team went 7-6. and six. They returned 17 starters. What do you assume about that team? Um, they'll be better. They'll be maybe a game better. You think they'd be better? Yeah, At least progress. you think they'd be better, right? Progress, sure. Yes. We always assume everyone gets better. I'm going to tell you some stats that uh, – Challenge that Sounds idea. great, man. Going into 2018, here's who returned uh, a lot of production. So this isn't necessarily started. It's just production, right? Michigan State returned 92% of its total offensive and defensive Woo! production. They were 7-6 and six last year. Kansas, 91%, 3-9. Baylor, 88%, 7-6. Ball State, 84%, 4-8. Charlotte, Liberty, dot, dot, dot. Stat of the day. Hit it. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Seven of the top ten returning production teams last season didn't win more than seven games in 2018. It doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be a good team. It just means you know the names of the guys. Because I would argue the counter to the they always get good is, well, what if the players you return from a bad team still stink? Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So, what was before that? Yes. And and let's think about it. This group from BYU the last two years has won 11 games. We think they're going to get up to eight. We're not expecting a ton out of this group. We're expecting them to get one game better in the regular season. Right? Well, and you look Which at, isn't a huge jump. You look at a team like Utah. How many starters are they ever training? 12. Okay. Washington, nine. Washington's like very little, yet they're going to be expected to do good things because of who they are and what they do. I still think these guys can be good, but this receiver group has to show me something. This D-line group has to show me something, right? They've been good. They've been fine. I wouldn't say they've been really good or great. I hope they are. There are fantastic teams that start freshmen, okay? Sure. That's what happens. College sports are different yeah, now. F- football, typically not across the board with freshmen, but you can't have a freshman make a big impact. We saw that with Zach Wilson. BYU almost takes out Boise State and Utah, right? 
And you can they, come in and make an immediate sure, impact. Sure. If you're playing all freshmen, no, you're going to be awful. In football, in basketball, it's different. In football, it's, it's not okay. I still expect BYU to take a step in the right direction with this experience. Yeah. Coaching staff, yeah. coordinator we're situation, every Two-game difference in the regular season. That's what we're thinking, eight right? Eight wins we're in the regular season. We're thinking BYU can get to be, eight. Oh, yeah. Be great. Have a chance at nine in the bowl game. We talked about how many ifs BYU is away from a 10-win season yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to wrap your head around that based on four and nine and seven and six, but it, it seems yes. BYU is you, trending in the right direction. A quick note before we get to the question of the day. In 1995, BYU went seven and four. Boom, 14 and one, okay, with returning guys. You can make that jump. 2001, the 2000 team, the six and six. That team goes six and six. They start 12 and 0 the next year. Like you can make big jumps fast. 05 to 06, six and six to 11 and two. It can happen if you have the right people. Yes. If and you, does BYU have the right people? If you return the right yeah. people, BYU returned significant people in those skill positions yes. in each of those years that you brought 78, up. 78, BYU was, I can't remember the record, but they were mediocre. And then 79, they start 11-0, they miss a field goal, would have gone 12-0 in the Holiday Bowl. Right? Yeah. Our question of the day. We want to know what you think. What is the strongest position group on the BYU defense entering the 2019 season and why? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Hansen 25 answers on Twitter. Probably safeties. Mm. The secondary followed close behind with the linebackers, even with one spot to be determined. I do like the safety specifically. I think the corners were young, did a good job, didn't give up a ton, but that was good. By the way, 78, 9, and 4. That was actually a pretty good year. But they took the leap up to 11-1. Uh, and 1. Pretty good. Coming up, what Phil Steele says about Utah that makes August 29th way more interesting. And what's next for Eric Mika in his professional basketball career after an outstanding summer with the Sacramento Kings? He'll join us live. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, you've heard the fight song, but never like this. Check it out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. You know the drill. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. We now welcome in on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline one of our BYU Sports Nation favorites. It's been way too long. Yeah. Former BYU big man Eric Mika. Eric, welcome back to the show. <laughs> What's up, guys? How's it going? <laughs> what? Boo, what are you booing? I'm booing myself. I was, you know, got to get myself going a little bit. <laughs> you, you need to get riled up? Like, you need to hear that I negativity? Get, yeah, I do. I love it. I feed <laughs> off of it. Eric, uh, you're in the middle of uh, a very busy vacationing season after you did a lot of good work with the uh, Kings in the yeah, NBA yeah, Summer where, League. Where are you right now? You know, that's for me to know and you to find out, man. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're in the mall. Follow him on social no, media. I'm Maybe actually, he'll reveal I'm a clue. Some uh, some vacation. I'm actually sitting in a gym right now. I just finished working out. So, nice, nice. Um, we're we're in St. George with my wife's family um, this week. We'll actually go down to Vegas to catch a show, um, and then we come back. And two days later, we head up to um, to Canada to Banff. Oh yeah, okay. Um, nice. In, in Canada with my family, so it's uh, it's kind of crazy. I was just telling Ben, it's one of those things where, you know, when you're planning it a year off, it 
it looks like it's going to work. You just kind of say yes to everything, and then it gets there, and you're like, oh, that's going to be a little bit crazy. But we're making it work. We're having fun. We'll have we'll have enough time to get back in shape. And in the meantime, I'm just getting shots up and, and doing some cardio stuff. So good. Fantastic. Well, that said, I think everybody wants to know what's next for you after you stood out with the Sacramento Kings and had a very solid summer league. What's next yeah. for you in your professional basketball career? Um, well, yeah, summer league went really well. Um, it was an awesome experience with the Kings. I think we were kind of, um, you know, right place, right time, which is what it takes sometimes because the other big guy, um, Caleb Flanagan, was kind of um, hurt. His quad was bugging him. He got need need there during practice in a little training camp. Um, you know, so they gave me a lot of time in Sacramento, and I think I showed them and other teams what I could do. And so, it was, you know, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with the guys, getting another staff. So it just it just seems like a good situation. Um, nothing is signed, but it looks like um, almost likely to go into training camp with them, to vet camp in the fall. And, and then, yeah, we'll just go from there. We'll see if we can crack the roster or if we go down to the G League and we'll just try and get called up a couple times and just see what happens. Well, that's exciting. So, uh, if you don't make the team, is the G- is the G League the next step, perhaps, for you, so that you are in a position to be called up to the NBA? Yeah, and it's actually it's actually a rule. I'm I'm, I'm like not super familiar with all the G League stuff um, and NBA stuff, but I, what I'm figuring out, and I could be wrong, there could be someone out there who's like, man, this guy's stupid. He doesn't even know what's going on. But I think. Um, if you do go to vet camp, then you have to be with the G League affiliate team for at least 60 days or something, mm. two or three months. Um, so that would be the next step with the, yeah, with the hope of kind of establishing myself and, you know, getting a lot of minutes and playing like I do so that come January I can get some call-ups from the Kings and, you know, you know hopefully even, even more, more from other teams. You know, because any team can call you up from the G League, that's the, that's the beauty of it. So... Yeah, I'm excited. I think we're excited to stay in the space to just kind of work on my game. That's where my agent and my trainer are out of. So when I'm not working out with the team, I can get even more work in, which is, you know, big for me. Um, I'm definitely learning a lot about what I still have to improve on uh, with the athleticism and the physicality of the NBA. But I feel like we're in a good spot and, and that things are kind of coming together like we wanted and like we expected. Eric, you picked up some good experience in Italy and Germany, albeit it was a little bit rough at times and you had some unexpected twists and turns, but here you are. What did playing in Europe teach you that has now helped you to try and break into the NBA? Um, you know, I think it was just it was just playing against pros, you know, uh, and, and that's kind of what we hoped for heading out there two years ago and what we expected, and luckily that's what, what it was. Um, you know, every single game, even if you're playing the worst team in the league, you've got some really good players, some really experienced players that are making a lot of money. So they take their job seriously. They're big, they're fast, they're strong, they're physical, and, and they know how to play the game. So uh, I think just the, the high level of play and um, what goes along with that, with, with physicality, with IQ, and and just learning to play the game at a high level really helps. You know, I, I've I've told everyone I've talked to about summer league that you know, going into it two years ago after after leaving BYU, 
I felt okay. I think I did well in, in training camp. And obviously, it, it was a different situation. You kind of gain confidence, um, you know, situationally, if, if you're getting a lot of minutes, if you, if you know that, you know, you're a lock for next year, whatever it is. So I think my confidence wasn't there as a, as a rookie. And my, my physicality wasn't there. You know, we played in Orlando with the Heat and – I can't remember the guy's name. He was just in summer league on the Portland Trailblazers. I can't this year, and I can't remember his name now. But uh, he was on the Pacers, and I just remember just getting moved by him. Like it wasn't even. It was like me moving TJ. You know what I mean? I hope TJ. <laughs> <hears> it. <laughs> like it wasn't. It wasn't even a question of whether he he was going to move me or not. It was just how far. So. You know, feeling that, and then compared to this year, where I felt like I was the guy moving people. Um, and no one could really match my physicality was just a testament to how good the last two years have been for me and my game. Um, so, you know, that, that was nice to kind of be able to look back and say, hey, that was, that was good for me, and, you know, now I need to keep working on that, uh, continue getting stronger and stronger, and then, you know, kind of build the rest of my game around that. Certainly the goal for you and the other aspiring NBA players that, that go through BYU as we watch this process is to get to the NBA and play in the NBA, right? So describe to us the process there of, okay, do I stay in the G League, which I make less, or, uh, but I'm right there, right, next to the NBA, or do I go overseas and have uh, uh, an experience where I make more and it's still good ball? How do you, how do you kind of manage those two? Yeah, you know, it's, I think it's really hard. There's a... There's definitely a a gray area where where you don't know exactly what to do, and it's a hard decision saying, hey, you know, do I take a shot at it at the NBA where the ceiling is high? You know, you see how much these guys are getting paid. Um, or do I play it, you know, quote-unquote safe? Not that it's easy to get good jobs out there, um, but if you're doing well, do I play it safe and stay out there and just kind of – um, continually collect a good paycheck and play at a high level, like you said, and still give yourself a chance to to go over, um, you know, just straight from a good team. Because uh, you see guys from the Euro League um, that head over and, and Euro Cup that head over to the NBA every single year. Um, but both, I think, both routes are are hard ways to go. Obviously, there's what 450 NBA jobs out there and you got millions of people fighting for them and dreaming of them. So either way you go, it's tough. And I think it's, it's all about the situation. Um, and for us right now, you know, I think we, we had good options in Europe. Uh, I had a good enough year to put us in a good position to kind of move up the ladder like you want to do. But, uh, you know, Sacramento just seems, seems it's comfortable. Um, it's familiar. You know, my, my trainers out there, I already know – more than half of the staff just from doing pre draft workouts, from from working out there in the in the off seasons a little bit. Um, I know a, a bunch of the develop, developmental guys um, that are that are there every day working with the coaches and the players individually. So it just it just kind of seems like the stars are are aligned and everyone's kind of in my corner, hoping that I that I can contribute to the actual team. And and that's just something you don't get a lot. And so we're going to go for it, you know, and, and I'm still 24. So if nothing comes out of it, then we'll find a good job in Europe and, and keep going that route, you know. But right now we just, we just feel like it's, it's the right timing to just kind of take a shot. 
You mentioned the training staff's familiar with you. Uh, when we talked in Provo, you said you got a pre-draft workout with the Kings, and you were afraid that they might have thought you were coming out of college or something. What happened there again? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, it was – no, so the, the pre-draft was what Yoli was doing uh, and, and what I did two years ago, and I actually did two pre-draft workouts with them. I was going to a mini camp, but I was so confused because I was going a couple of days early, and Yoli was on the same flight. <laughs> and, I was, and I was under the impression I hadn't communicated well with my agent. And so I thought I was working out on Monday. Yeah, I think we flew out on Sunday. I thought I was working out on Monday, but I was working out on Tuesday. There was a pre-draft workout with Yoli on Monday. And so I was like, are you working out with Sacramento? He's like, yeah, I'm working out tomorrow. And I was like, man, maybe, maybe they think I'm a, I'm a pre-draft guy. Like uh, they, they screwed this all up. I'm going to be with a bunch of guys coming right out of college, which actually got me kind of excited, you know. Yoli knows I put it on him, so I was just going to do it again right in front of the coaches, and it was going to be great. I was going to in the draft again. <laughs> Eric Mika with us on BYU Sports Nation. And just to reiterate, Eric, for those that may be joining us, uh, nothing has been signed, but you plan on being in fall camp or training camp with the Sacramento Kings with the intention of perhaps breaking in at some point in the season, maybe a two-way contract. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the plan right now. Okay. Um, I'd also yeah. I'd also like to point out the fact that we have a very very nice professionally done picture of you on the TV oh compared to the pictures that I sent out on Twitter. It's from BYU. I think we need an updated one though. <laughs> hey, if if you guys put out another bad picture, I swear this will be the last time. Talk, well, well, we hadn't had you on for a while. We kind of got used to it, unfortunately. <laughs> that one, that one's not bad. I'm, I I just hopped on Twitter. The one you put on is, isn't terrible. Um, <laughs> I look, I look young, but I mean, it's from what two years ago, almost. I guess three years ago. Well, send us a good um, one. What? We're, yeah. What? What we're gonna do is from now on, anytime we are in touch, I'm just gonna send you about ten, fifteen clips or, or <laughs> pictures, and and you guys can pick from there. That sounds great. <laughs> okay. That's that's what I, we you need from you. Just, you're ruining my image, man. We hey, we are. <laughs> well, your dad, yeah. your dad came to your defense, Eric. He emailed me a picture of you dunking all over uh, the German League Player of the Year. So, yeah, that, was that, that Jack that Sickness kid like, or something? That, yeah, it is. Yeah, that nice. sounds like something my dad would do. We talked about it for about twenty minutes in the car the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, we'll, we'll make sure that we. I'm, I'm just going to send actually to this uh, to this Twitter feed right here the. The reply section. I'm going to send you guys in the next hour just ten great pictures, action packed. Don't do it. It'll compress them. You got to send them raw an email. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Just text. All just right, text I'll me. Him, I'll send them to my dad and he'll uh, he'll email. He'll email yeah. them over. Or, okay. Or text me. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Eric, it's great to catch up with you, man. Uh, when you get back from your vacation, we'd love to have you in studio and uh, catch up some more. Yep, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. You we'll got it. Up. Eric Mika on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. We learn some that's stuff. News. That's news. Eric Mika yeah. planning on signing with the Sacramento Kings at least to be part of their training camp this fall with the intention of doing enough to maybe get a call up in December or January, play some games at well, the NBA. if he doesn't make the roster. Correct. If, if he makes the roster, boom, great. he's awesome. in the Fantastic. NBA for the first time. And that's great because he's done enough, it sounds like, in Italy, Germany, and the Summer League the last couple of years to get an option. And that's the thing you, you, you forget is he worked out for the Kings, he said, a couple of times. 
they remember that. It's not like they just forget you. They're like, okay, come back and let's see what you have. Right? Even though he didn't know what he was really doing at first. <laughs> Am I a pre-draft? <laughs> I'm going to dominate these guys. Awesome. Coming up, there are some good coaches on the football schedule this season, but who are the top ten? And can Utah really be a contender for the college football playoff national championship? Phil Steele likes them as his number one what? This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. If you just missed our conversation and interview with BYU basketball alum Eric Mika, then you missed out on some breaking news. He is planning on signing with the Sacramento Kings, being with the team in training camp, trying to make the roster. We'll see after that. But, hey, Eric Mika did himself some serious, serious good in the NBA summer. Awesome. Can't wait. All right, let's get to the rest of today's headlines. BYU football did not have a player named to either the Butkus or Jim Thorpe award watch list. Butkus for the best linebacker, Jim Thorpe for the best defensive back. The Butkus. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Three BYU opponents appear on the Buckus Award watch list, six on the Jim Thorpe list, the Bronco Nagurski Award for Outstanding Defensive Players and Outland Trophy for Outstanding Interior Lineman watch list will be released today. Elijah Bryant signs a two-year deal with Maccabi Tel Aviv in Israel. Bryant's father's name is Israel, right? Uh, he was first team all league for Hapoel Eilat last season in the same league. In fact, his team lost to Maccabi in the semifinals of the playoffs. He will stay in Israel for two more seasons. As we just mentioned, Eric Mika telling BYU Sports Nation he intends to join the Sacramento Kings in their preseason camp. Whether that turns into an actual roster spot or a two-way deal with the G League, to be determined. But again, congratulations to Eric Mika for getting it done. And BYU 10K National Champion Clayton Young named USTFCCCA Outdoor Track Scholar-Athlete of the Year. He's the first from the men's team in program history to receive these honors. Young won the 10K for the first time at BYU since coach Ed Eyestone did it. And we have a bit of breaking news here. Nick Emery just posted this on his Instagram. The day has come that I hang up the number four Emery jersey. Basketball's taught me more than life, uh, about life than I could have ever imagined. Playing for a university like BYU and playing with some of the best guys has been an incredible blessing. My time here has been rocky at times, but the good times definitely outweighed the bad. I've learned so many life lessons and this journey has been so rewarding. He continues, uh, to thank everybody. Thank you, BYU, for the amazing opportunity to represent your school. I've been forever blessed. So, Nick wow. Emery, this just in, just seconds ago, retiring from BYU. So, he's done. Wow. Let's break this down. Obviously, um, tremendous freshman season. Took kind of a step back his sophomore year as he went through a, a divorce. Uh, he's uh, redshirted last year as he was out of school. Recently got married. And that perspective and kind of everything that's happened, he's gonna just he's gonna just hang it up. So no Nick Emery, it would appear, this season, hang up the number four jersey. Wow. That's that's, that's I'm stunned. Yeah, it a bit shocking. I can understand it from his personal standpoint. I was really hoping to see kind of this redemptive senior year where we really see the Nick Emery that we saw, you know, light up San Francisco on the road for thirty seven or whatever as a freshman. First team all league player as a freshman. Um, he was uh, sec- his sophomore year was a bit of a struggle. Uh, last year, kind of up and down, right? Was a starter, then he wasn't. Broke and back in against Utah State. How BYU win? Tremendous game. Maybe yep. their maybe that was their best win of the year. Yeah, 
and now uh, now hanging it up. He just uh, puts it out on Twitter and Instagram. So Nick Emery retiring uh, from basketball. There's one thing I know, and that is Nick did not take this decision lightly, and clearly this is going to make him the happiest. So I'm happy for him. I'm and, happy that he's come to some type yeah. of resolution. I'm sure it took a long time for him to yeah. figure this out. It was do I do I want to keep doing this or not? He's married and to a great girl. He's he's in a he's in a new chapter of his life um, at at this point, and um, yeah, he's th- this is this is a big deal, uh, not only for him but for BYU. This is this is a guy that could be a very good player that won't be there. So there's that end of it, right? Perhaps there's a, a scholarship opportunity now that opens up for BYU, or maybe he let BYU know a little while ago. But I know he's been working out with the team and playing, so perhaps this is something that recently mm. uh, came about. Obviously, getting married is a huge deal uh, in your personal life and changes things. And uh, perhaps it, it was, you know, and obviously is at the point where he says, you know what, I'm just not going to play. It is interesting to see, uh, uh, after the segment talking with Eric Mika, how we thought that the Lone Peak 3 would mean something for this school. And it's been a very different um, path than we thought yeah, they for how this has played out. They yeah. manifested greatness at times, but it was always like one at a time. They had one season together, and it was an NIT one and done, big loss against UT Arlington at home, and that was a bummer, right? So I, I think in the end, um, everyone went down a different path, right? Um, the three, Eric Mika, TJ Haas, and and uh, Nick, uh, Nick Emery, all three had seasons where we were like, wow, at BYU, right? Yeah, yeah. And we were hoping we'd have this run, uh, but Nick Emery retires from basketball. He's going he's gonna to hang it up. Um, so it, I, I can understand it from the personal side. The, the Nick Emery basketball fan in me is bummed. I wanted to see him play his senior year and see if he couldn't be w- kind of that guy he was as a freshman and uh, certainly a blow to the BYU backcourt. I, I think... Connor Harding will now have a little more, I guess, space to to grow. Yeah. But I'd rather have this big group of awesome guys than uh, uh, not have Nick Emery. Okay, so Jesse Wade, Connor Harding, TJ Haas, Jake Toulson. I think BYU Trevin has Hill. plenty in the backcourt, but still, y- you wonder what, I, what could have happened with Nick Emery back in the mix, different I, mentality. And that will define the Lone Peak 3 is what could have happened. What could have happened? What could that group have done had they had three full years together? And perhaps Nick Emery doesn't have the three full years. He, he's out for a year. But T.J. Haas will have been the only one that went year one through four um, You know, at some point. Eric Mika played a season before his mission, good freshman year. Uh, came back, had a really good sophomore year, like a 20-10 and 10 year. Decided to take advantage of that and has played professionally in Italy and Germany. And we just found out last segment, if you missed it, Eric Mika told us he's going to work out. For the uh, or be in training camp for the Sacramento Kings, expected to sign there and perhaps be on the G League team if he doesn't make the NBA roster. TJ Haas, I think, is going to be a two-time first-team All-League guy. He's going to be one of the top scorers in BYU history. He's going to be one of the most prolific three-point shooters in BYU history, perhaps, in, in terms of makes. Nick Emery was a tremendous defender, really good three-point shooter, and then his personal life affected his basketball game in a way that's understandable for the next couple of years. I'm happy for Nick that he's come to a resolution. I really am. Yeah, selfishly, you want more basketball because you know what he's capable of. We saw it. We saw back-to-back near 40-point games as a freshman. He had that outstanding opening campaign in his one year of brilliance. And then it was Eric Mika's time to shine. And now it's TJ Haas' time to shine. But 
all three of them never really could shine bright together outside of what they did in high school. And it's tough, too, because when BYU got those three guys, it was very exciting, right? We all, we all thought, oh, my gosh, this is going to be amazing. Honestly, we were talking about the Final Four. It could have been amazing. Ultimately, some of the guys that might have come here were a little scared off or came here and left because of that group to a degree because it was like, well, there's the core. You can only hold so many good guys. So Jordan Chapman's out. Jake Toulson's out. Um, you know, other, other guys may have, you know, Frank Jackson, would he, have, he was initially uh, committed to BYU, goes to Duke. I get perhaps that's a different thing. But th- that, that group just never, unfortunately, panned out. And it would have been a beautiful thing to see those three play together for a couple of years. In the end, it's a different story. As life is, you think you have it all figured out. This is what I'm going to do. This is what you make plans and God laughs, right? Different things happen. And unfortunately, it didn't always work out, man. Now, this is uh, the beauty of a live show. Breaking news on multiple accounts today. Learning what Eric Meek is doing in his professional basketball future and now what Nick Emery will be doing in his basketball future or lack thereof as he steps away. Okay, coming up, much more on this today and tomorrow. But uh, why throwing a football in a volleyball jersey will never be the same. Plus, the top 10 coaches BYU football will compete against. It's Jerem's next edition of 10 and 10 right after this. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The best of BYU Sports Nation airs Saturdays at noon Eastern on BYU Radio. It's on the podcast feed featuring the best conversations and interviews each week. All right, we have a little time and a lot to do, including Jerem's next 10 in 10 list. The top 10 coaches BYU football will compete against this year. Let's do it. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem's 10 in 10. Coaches from teams not wrapped, Idaho State and UMass. Number 10, Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee. The former Alabama, Georgia, and Florida State defensive coordinator went 5-7 and seven in year one at Rocky Top. His defense was middle of the pack. The offense stunk. This is a renovation project still in progress. By the way, Pruitt was the defensive coordinator at Hoover High when former BYU O-line coach Ryan Pugh was a senior. How about that? Pruitt is unproven as a head coach right now, so he's number 10. I have no issues with that. I agree with you. I think he has a lot to prove. It's a good DC at Alabama, but as a head coach, we will see. Different beast. Number nine, Gary Anderson, Utah State. Whoa. I think Anderson's a good coach, but he's got to prove himself more after a 7-23 stint at Oregon State where he led mid left mid-season in year three. In fact, I was on the sideline for the final game there in L.A. against USC. Random, right? He's back in Ogden, I mean Logan, where he was his best coaching self. 11-2 in 2012, and boom, he got the Wisconsin job, where he went 19-7, but then left for Corvallis. He never sold his house in Logan. Literally. It all worked out. Now, this Gary Anderson at number nine tells me the quality of opposing head coaches of BYU face on this year's schedule. Number eight, Jason Candle, Toledo. Nine-plus wins in three of the last four years. The Rockets led the Mac in scoring last season. He's produced NFL quarterback Logan Woodside and talented but off-the-field issued Kareem Hunt. Perennial bowl team. Three of his four recruiting classes, tops in the Mac. And he's the highest-paid coach in the league as well. Well, his team's picked to win their division again, so there's that. Number seven, Charlie Strong, South Florida. He probably still has nightmares as the Texas head coach, where on September 6, 2014, he watched Taysom Hill hurdle over the entire stadium. Strong went 16 and 21 at Texas before the South Florida job, where he was 17 and two mm-hmm. until six straight losses in last season. Before Texas, he was at Louisville, 23 and three the last two seasons. So 
He's shown he can be an amazing coach. I'd probably flip-flop Jason Candle and Charlie Strong just because six straight losses is a lot to handle. He's still 17-8 and eight in two years at USF, right? Number six, Rocky Long, San Diego State. Long was a BYU rival coach at New Mexico for a long time who hired a guy named Bronco Mendenhall to be his DC back in the day. He's had this career revival in San Diego where he's won 38 games the past four years, been to eight straight bowl games. He has the most Mountain West Conference wins of any coach ever. Rushing Fiend, 2016 and 17, had different 2,000-yard rushers in back-to-back years. That had never happened. I can't wait for BYU to beat San Diego State, the final regular season game of the year. Mm. Number five, Hugh Freeze. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. The former head ball coach at Ole Miss for five seasons is in year one at Liberty after two years out of the game thanks to violations that led to 33 vacated wins and a postseason ban. Who can forget the 2014 and 15 seasons where Ole Miss was ranked as high as number three, winning the 2016 Sugar Bowl by 28. Mm. Freeze hopes to escort the Flames into its first full-fledged FBS season with success against the schedule. That includes Syracuse, Rutgers, Virginia, and Brigham. Don't be fooled by the name. Liberty is a sneaky program on the rise with Hugh Freeze. Six and six last year. They returned a lot of offense. Number four, Clay Helton, USC. He's 32 and 17 in five seasons with the men of Troy. He's one year removed from winning the Pac-12 in the Rose Bowl. Last year was a five and seven season. So because it's USC, he's on the hot seat. (laughs) Southern Cal doesn't tolerate mediocrity for long. BYU game's a big one after tough openers with Fresno State and Stanford. Well, Clay Helton fall into the trap of the BYU game. Yeah, yeah, let's hope. Week three, number three, Brian Harson, Boise State. Harson wins. That's the name of the game, right? 52 and 15 in five seasons. 10 plus wins in four of those. Four and one versus BYU. Finished ranked in three of those seasons. Did I mention winning? He's a former Bronco quarterback who was a co-OC at Texas and head coach at Arkansas State before taking over for Chris Peterson. You know where that one loss against BYU came? In Provo, and it was when Boise State was breaking in a new quarterback. It's the only season he hasn't won 10 games, by the way. Number two, Kyle Whittingham, Utah. He's an institution in Salt Lake. The former all-whack linebacker at BYU won 20 and 61 at Utah in 14 seasons with two BCS Bowl wins. Last season, the Utes broke out with their first Pac-12 South outright title before losing to UW for a shot at the Rose Bowl this season. Utah expected to win the South, maybe the whole league. I was getting so used to Utah being number one on all these lists, I'm a little shocked here. I can't do it, everyone, because of just personal emotion. And the top coach BYU will face in 2019 is Chris Peterson of Washington. It's been five full seasons in Seattle. Can you believe it since he left Boise State? He's 47-21 and with top 16 finishes in the last three seasons. Three New Year's Six games, 32 wins, 24 NFL draft picks during his tenure, two Pac-12 titles in the last three years, and those are the top 10 coaches BYU will face in 2019. I think this list is really impressive. Your top five coaches are all playing in Provo this year. How about that? Accident. Bill Steele has the University of Utah ranked at the top of his list as the dark horse to win the college football playoff. Should that change the way we look at the game, which is in how many days? Countdown to the Utes. 37. 37 days away. Alema Fittissimano, he's on the staff. If there weren't enough context for this game. Yeah. Coming up, Clayton Young won the 10K national title, but what else did he win yesterday? And why is Jaron Hall in our news again, Jerem? He deserves it. He always deserves it. Plus, in case you missed it, the news about Nick Emery. This is BYU Sports Nation. 
Shout out to today's guest, Eric Mika, who we learned is going to spend training camp with the Sacramento Kings. And the show's on demand via the podcast and the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. We won't do the whip. Uh, there was breaking news uh, a few minutes ago. Nick Emery retiring from basketball. BYU finishes his career averaging 12.6 points per game. Uh, he, he shot 42% from the field, 38% from uh, three-point range. He finishes sixth all-time in BYU history in three-point makes. He could have been the all-time leader had he played the full four. I mean, this is one of the most prolific three-point shooters we've ever seen. We'll get to the dynamic of what this now means for BYU basketball and how it affects the roster and the shakeup there. Yeah. But right now, in this moment, it's about Nick Emery. And we are giving him a collective rise and shout-out for what he did in his time at BYU. Yeah, I, I wish we could have seen full Nick. Certainly marred by certain moments um, on the court. Obviously, punching Brandon Taylor is a thing that will always be there, right? Um, the violations that cost BYU, uh, you know, a certain amount of games, and he was suspended for nine. But I, and off the court, he went through a, a you know, a public divorce that no one wants to go through a divorce and have everyone else watch while you go through this, right, and kind of see you suffer. Well, not so to I'm, steer through right. some misleading rumors and right. It just it was a it was a terrible situation News, for him not to deal with. Newspapers seeking out your VIN number in the parking lot, like it just got weird, right? But in the end, I'm going to remember Nick Emery for the things I mentioned, but also for a bunch of threes, good defense, getting fired up, um, thoracic outlet syndrome, right? He, he he had to play with the long sleeve because the circulation wasn't always there. There, there was a lot with Nick, but I enjoyed watching Nick play. When it was pure basketball, and we saw that in the Utah State game last year, when Nick Emery gets in there and he gets down on defense and makes a three, it was fun to Outstanding. watch. It was yeah, fun to energizing watch. Energizing the crowd. So I'm and glad that we got yeah. to see that at I'm, least. I'm going to miss that. Comeback, for sure. I'm going to miss that. I promise you this. We have not heard the last from Nick Emery as a – uh, I, I guess just a proponent of living your life well. Yeah. Okay. He's doing a lot off the court. Yep. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort celebrating 50 years. Ask about the BYU football defense. And who's the anchor at the casual hippie says defensive line. One word, Kairos Tonga. But isn't that two words? He's a big boy. Yeah. It's just merged into one. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hashtag BYUSN. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Jackson Emery. See you on BYU Sports Nation tomorrow at noon Eastern.